Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I had another conversation this week with a liberal, and it went about like all conversations with liberals go. <laughs> this this particular discussion centered around a post that I saw that uh, said something like this. It said, don't be afraid of the drag queen until they are carrying an AR-15. So, I mean, it's supposed to be cute, right? It's supposed to be, you know, that you're, you know, drag queens are... are uh, just fine, except, you know, obviously mass murdering ones, right? Well, my response to this was that I would feel safe around someone carrying an AR-15. <laughs> what I object to is when that drag queen tries to sexualize kids. Well, that did not fit the leftist narrative very well. <laughs> so my comment was like poking the bear, I guess. One individual was using as big a words as he could find in the dictionary as to make himself look really important and said that I was an idiot and uneducated for not proving or providing proof at all that children had been sexualized by any drag queens. I then let him know that I did not think that I had to prove that the sky was blue or that Joe Biden had serious cognitive decline. <laughs> it was just something that every everyone just takes for granted, right? But since this individual was ignorant of the situation and uninformed of what happens at some of these drag shows, I provided video proof uh, of what has happened at, at some of these family-friendly performances. Well, there was not much to say at that point from his end. <laughs> what, what do you say in support of kids watching sex acts being on full display in front of them? So this individual did what so many individuals do when their side of things is debunked. They attack the messenger. There was nothing that he added to the conversation after that point that added in in a positive way to the discussion. It was all about how dumb and how stupid I was and how I must not have listened to, to a word my high school teacher taught me in history or anything. I tried, I tried to steer the discussion away from personal attacks even by asking if there was anything that he could contribute that was not an attack on me. And he responded with, another attack on me. <laughs> so I, I had to rest my case since he had proven, proven my point that liberals are rarely, they really rarely hold a rational, positive, uh, productive conversation for very long. The reason for this, I, I think, is that liberalism is not based in rational thought. It is based in feelings. It is not based in truth. It is based in virtue signaling. If I can make others think that I am a good person, then I have accomplished my goal. Rational, independent thought and, and critical thinking is not a strong point for most leftists. I, this, unfortunately, comes out of their actions. So oftentimes, uh, the, the, and, and I, I wanted to, to bring up today five stories to you 
to illustrate my point here. Our first story centers around a, a recent court case. God set up the institution of government. We've, we've covered that in our podcast before. So, so he set the, the institution of government up so that, so that it could protect the innocent from evil, basically. One of the ways that this is accomplished is giving people a place where their grievances can be addressed. The judge is supposed to, to weigh the facts of the case and rule on the side of the innocent, protecting them from those that are guilty. This takes rational thought and common sense and a weighing of the evidence. This can be a difficult thing for someone who is of a liberal bent because they are more prone to emotions rather than logic. From a series of articles from the Daily Wire comes this. It says a judge ruled that a transgender woman would not have um, indecently exposed her penis in a YMCA female changing room after agreeing with her claim that she's too fat for it to be visible. Yeah. <laughs> Taryn Glines, who now goes by Rachel, uh, was found not guilty of three counts of indecent exposure at the facility in Extina, Ohio. Judge David McNamee cleared Gliles after um, agreeing that the size of her belly meant it would be impossible for anyone to see her penis. Glines 31 has had several complaints, yes, several complaints, made against her dating back to 2021 with the least with at least three people complaining that they saw a naked male in the female locker room one of the complaints stated that there were three juveniles that's what i said there were three juveniles present during the incident with a woman going to the front desk to report the issue but she was reassured by a worker that it was, quote, actually a woman, and that she shouldn't be disturbed by the incident. Judge David McNamee said that there was, quote, little dispute as to the facts of the case, as Glines was authorized by the executive director of the YMCA to use the women's locker room. Jacqueline Brockman said that Glines was allowed to use the facilities at all of the greater Daytona area YMCA locations. The case was legally brought against Darren Glines, but she now goes by the first name Rachel, as I said, and has not had gender reassignment surgery. She just identifies as such. McNamee said, quote, there is no question that Glines was in the women's locker room. So they admitted that. However, Glines was not charged with trespass, nor was Glines charged with being in an area of the YMCA where Glines was not supposed to be. Quite simply, he says, the facts do not ex exist to support a find of guilt as charged. Glines' genitalia was not visible as a result of other portions of 
her body covering the same. Wow. Glein's lawyers, Lauren and uh, Kira Deaver, both argued that she was so fat that that her gut would obscure her genitalia. <laughs> In a st- yeah, in a statement released on Monday, Glein's attorneys said it's unfortunate, not only for her, but for the entire community, that the filing of these charges never occurred. We are grateful that the rule of law and the truth prevailed so that Miss Glein's and the community can move on in peace. Wow. Exena City Council President William uh, Urschel said that one of the women uh, who filed the complaint was allegedly informed by an employee at the YMCA that Glines identifies as a woman, so she shouldn't be disturbed by this. Urschel um, recounted the story at a Greene County Tea Party meeting with uh, attendees audibly laughing, actually, at the story. The rest of the city council released a statement saying that Urschel's comments were his own and that the charges filed against Glines were through the Exena uh, Police Division's own investigation. Quote, neither the Exena City Council nor the member of mem- nor any member of the council had any part in the decision to file public indecency charges regarding the use of the YMCA's locker rooms. The YMCA of Greater Daytona said in a statement that they would continue to comply with the law while also ensuring the privacy and the safety of all members. Under no circumstances will we investigate an individual's birth identity and then assign individuals to locker rooms, the YMCA said. This is the YMCA. This is what they're saying. That would be counter, they said, to the law, counter to respect for all people. And it is not who or what we are as an organization. (laughs) A little Obama type of lingo there, right? A YMCA employee was called to testify at the trial, telling the court that she had to get a restraining order, actually, against Glines after she assaulted her. Katisha Young told uh, Redux that Glines grabbed her genitals after they had gone out to coffee. Young claims that following the assault, Glines started attending uh, her place of work, knowing when she would be working. And she added that she is concerned that she will be forced to find other work once her protection order against clients runs out next year. The incident at the YMCA in Nazina is uh, just one of many that have hit the group's facilities across the U.S. Julie Jammin uh, is an 80-year-old Uh, and was banned from YMCA pool after she demanded a transgender employee leave the women's locker room. Yeah, she's banned. She's the one that's banned, not the transgender. She had been a regular at the Mountain View pool in the city of, of Port Townsend in Washington, the state of Washington, when she spotted the worker in the changing room while she was showering. Jamie 
uh, claims that while she was changing, she heard a man's voice and immediately confronted the worker, Clementine Adams, who identifies as a woman. She said that she asked Adams if she had a penis, and she said it was none of her business. So she asked them to leave. Jamin told a member of the staff at the pool and was told by YMCA aquatics manager Rowan DeLund, uh, DeLuna, sorry, DeLuna, that she was discriminating and that the police would be called. She was told that she was banned from the pool forever before DeLuna called law enforcement, where Jamin was described as having an emotional response and screaming in an uh, incident report. So, first of all, the YMCA stands for Young Men's Christian Association. That's what YMCA stands for. They no longer act like a Christian organization when they act like this. These transgender individuals believe that God made a mistake when he assigned a certain gender to them. God doesn't make mistakes. And to to ban somebody for life because they don't want to shower with someone of the opposite sex is beyond rational. Second, for, for a judge to say that a male did not expose himself to young minor girls because he is too fat is irrational and ridiculous. I, I can't go walk my dogs past a school naked no matter how fat I am, right? But this guy can go into the girl's locker room and expose himself there. But because he's too fat, we can't see his junk. All right, that makes him not guilty. That's irrational. One of, of the bastions of liberalism is California. And they, and they are getting more and more irrational all the time. Black California residents could receive up to $1.2 million based on how many years they have lived in the state after its official reparations task force approved recommendations on Saturday to issue a formal, yet this, reparative monetary apology. The nine-member panel, which became the, the first task force in the United States to form in September of 2020, advanced the plan recommendations in Oakland, California. The draft includes calculated dollar figures based on categories ranging from mass incarceration, housing discrimination, and other alleged injustices. According to the latest data from the U.S. Census Bureau, more than 2.5 million Californians, which is about 6.5% of the state's population, are black and could be eligible to receive reparations based on certain requirements. Quote, reparations are not only morally justifiable, but they have the potential to address long-standing racial disparities and inequities. This, this is a quote from Representative Barbara Lee, the Democrat from California, and she told this to Associated Press. According to the final report, black communities impacted by mass uh, incarceration and over-policing, alleged, um, um, aligning with the national war on drugs, could receive about 
$815,260 per person. Or over $2,300 each year they live in California from 1971 to 2020. I don't know why they picked 71. Don't ask me. Panel members said black residents impacted by lending um, and zoning, uh, re, uh, redlining by banks between 1933 and 1977 could receive over $3,300 each year they reside in California, capping at $148,099. Another method created by the panel calculated gaps between black and white housing wealth at 143,847 per person. Another alleged injustices and discriminations on health estimated $13,619 per person for each year that they lived in California. Based on a New York Times analysis. So if you, if you got all those numbers, right? Based on a New York Times analysis, a black person living in California for 71 years, which is the average lifespan of of black residents in California in in 2021, could receive up to $1.2 million each. Some economists projected to the Associated Press that California could owe more than $8 hundred billion with a b dollars in reparations which more than doubles the state's annual budget quote apologies alone are inadequate to provide justice to victims or redress wrongs this is what the draft reads but when combined with material forms of reparations apologies provide an opportunity for uh, communal reckoning with the past and repair for moral, physical, and dignitary harms. One woman attending Saturday meeting, get this, said the $1.2 million in incremental payments is nowhere near enough, she said. We want direct cash payments, just like how the stimulus checks were sent out. This is what the woman said. It's our inheritance, and we can handle it. Wow. She added that the plan should resemble San Francisco's nearly formed reparations committee, which proposed that longtime black residents of the Northern California metropolitan city would receive up to $5 million each for facing decades of systemic repression. Panel members recommended the apology from the New York or from the uh, California legislature should include a censure of the gravest barbarities created out of uh, on behalf of the state, which consists of an exhaustive list of notes since California entered the union in 1850. Although California entered the union outlawing slavery. I mean, the, 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 the draft states that it did not pass laws at the time to guarantee freedom. So that's why they want the reparations. The California Supreme Court enforced the Federal Fugitive Slave Act, which allowed for the capture uh, and return of runaway enslaved people until the official end of the enslavement in 1865. California has previously issued apologies for placing Japanese Americans in internment camps during World War II, mistreating the Native Americans, and abuses in its 
um, uh, eugenics sterilization program that forcibly sterilized patients in state hospitals and homes without without uh, true consent. Task force members are scheduled to release the report uh, by July 1st. And if lawmakers approve the plan, the state will create a new agency to oversee the program, determine uh, 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 eligibility, and to distribute the funds. So, so if the if the 1.2 million dollar payments are not nearly enough, which is what what these people are saying, this is just the beginning, right? Then why would you even think about doing it? I mean, what is enough? Who who gets these reparations? I mean, how how much black heritage do you need? Do I just need one little bit that I can trace back? Uh, what what if what if you are from an area that slaves were not taken from? I mean, you're black, but you weren't from an area that that you know had slavery. And and what about those slaves that were not black? There was a lot of Irish slaves. All all of this comes from a state that is already going bankrupt. I mean, there are signs all over. All you have to do is visit California. You see signs all over the place of 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 them going bankrupt. And and if if I identify as a black person, let's say, do I get it reparations? Because I'm a black person, right? You can't question that. Or you can get banned from the YMCA right? It, it's irrational. That's what it is. It's irrational. And, and speaking of irrational, Anna Navarro, <laughs> and, and she's of course a co-host on ABC's The View, claimed on Monday that a person being black or Hispanic does not mean that they can't become a white supremacist. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> Navarro made the remarks after fellow leftist co-host Sonny Ho- uh, Hostin uh, said that the, the Latino male who killed several people in a mall in Texas over the weekend was a white supremacist. Yeah, but but this shooter, this is, this is the quote, right? But this shooter who happened to be Hispanic and, and Latino, uh, which is very bizarre to me, had a, a white supremacy moniker on him. This is what Hosen said. Before noting that that uh, FBI director Christopher Ray has said that white supremacist uh, violence is a serious threat to the U.S. I mean, Biden said it's the most serious thing. Well, we all have to remember that the head of the Proud Boys, his name is Enrique Tarrio. This is what Navarro said. The Proud Boys is a white nationalist group. Look, being Hispanic or being black does not, or being anything, does not make you immune from being racist and from being radicalized, from being a white supremacist, from being evil, from from being homosexual uh, uh, or uh, homicidal, sorry. And, And we are seeing it over and over again. There are people, you know, they don't see themselves as they are. Unquote. Now, Navarro doubled down on her claim online when a clip of her remarks garnered some significant attention, right? She said, oh, where is the lie? She tweeted. The, the former leader of the Proud Boys, Enrique Tarrio, um, convicted last week of, of seditious conspiracy, is 
Afro-Latino. Having Hispanic blood or black blood does not mean you cannot fa uh, fancy yourself as a white nationalist and spread hate. <laughs> so, so let me get this straight. If you are a black Californian white supremacist living in San Francisco, do you still get the five million in reparations? Hmm. And and, and a white supremacist believes that that those that are white are superior to other races, right? That's what a white supremacist is. How could someone not white be a white supremacist then? And most leftists think that race is a social construct anyway. So how could anyone be a white supremacist? <laughs> Liberalism can, can be just as irrational at the federal level, though. The, the Biden administration is hell-bent on stopping climate change, or so they say, and willing to force American taxpayers to shell out 50 million, no, sorry, 50 trillion, with a T, dollars over the years to help them do it. How exactly will all that cash help the planet? Well, they can't answer that, <laughs> but but rest assured, it will help the U.S. restore environmental justice. The president's team tells us, which which is really code for more radical equity efforts, that this is the case. President Joe Biden's deputy energy secretary, David Turk, was unable to explain to Senator John Kennedy uh, how or why the U.S going carbon neutral would help the planet uh, stave off global warming. Quote, if you could answer the question, Kennedy said, if we spend $50 trillion to become carbon neutral in the United States of America by 2050, you're the deputy, de deputy secretary of energy. Give me your estimate. And how much is that going to reduce world temperatures? Well, Turk said, so first of all, it's it's a net cost and it's what benefits uh, we're having from getting uh, our act together and reducing all of those climate benefits we're seeing. Let me ask again, Kennedy said, maybe I'm being maybe I'm I'm look, I'm not being clear. If we spend $50 trillion to become carbon neutral by 2050 and in the United States of America, how much is it going to reduce the, the world temperatures? <laughs> of course, Turk couldn't answer the question or didn't want to answer the question. One of the two. It, 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 he, just, he just would stammer around and, 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 and not say anything. In, in late April, Biden signed an executive order which ordered the government to recognize the racism is fundamental driver in environmental injustice. Can you guess what comes next? That's right. Re, um, redistribution uh, of tax dollars based on racial identities and other immutable characteristics as part of the solution to end climate change. Right? It seems that the tenets of environmental justice aren't so different from the policies to end systemic racism. In fact, you might even suspect that the environmental justice executive order is just another way for Biden's administration to squeeze in more equity efforts. 
And if the United States is spending $50 trillion on the effort to make America green, that's a whole lot of wealth that can be spread around. It may not lower the temperature of the earth, but Biden's climate change fight will certainly be used to grow the government and be used as another avenue to to further entrench the principles of critical race theory in America and society. Spending 50 million, I'm sorry, trillion, I keep, I mean, it's mind boggling, 50 trillion on something that is not even scientifically a thing is just irrational. But liberalism is not just confined to government. It shows its ugly head in church as well. The Catholic church in New York City uh, is facing some backlash from its own parishioners over a display entitled God is Trans, A Queer Spiritual Journey. According to a report publicized uh, Sunday by the New York Post, the Church of St. Paul the Apostle, located in Manhattan's west side, is known to be very liberal. And despite that, for some church members, the God is Trans display appears to be a bridge too far, or at least one that is going to require an explanation. Um, one of the parishioners just said that this is not the answer. Uh, this is just out of bounds. The church should not be promoting this. I understand there is transgender people. I pray for all people, but enough is enough, the parishioner said. It seems like they are trying to force the agenda on others. You see, this stuff is just irrational. It all comes from leftist liberals that that don't have critical thinking skills, but just want to feel good. And I am still on the hunt for a liberal that would like to have a positive discussion on the issues of the day without resorting to personal attacks. I'm an optimist, so I still have hope. Eh, maybe someday. We'll see. And if that's you, I'd love to have that conversation with you. You can always have it at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Organite Communications.